Hi guys and welcome to your new episode of Sunday's Overtake. It's been a while since we last catched up and a few things have happened in the meantime. Before we head into this race weekend and the Hungarian Grand Prix, you'll see a record has been broken. The biggest news we also a few days ago was the return of Daniel Ricciardo to AlphaTauri. So AlphaTauri got rid of Nick de Vries its new driver for this season and they replaced him with Daniel Ricciardo. I think everybody was happy to see Daniel back on the grid. He's like one of these like characters, always smiling, always joking. I think all fans around the world, even if you like, like no matter what team he's competing for, he's driven for a few teams, but he's a character, like a nice, joyful character in the paddock that everybody like seems to like. I like him too, I'm not gonna lie. I never really like, like chewed for him or whatever in races, but like he seems like to be a fun guy. So I think everybody was kind of pleased to see him come back. I think it was a bit harsh for Nick de Vries because he's had 10 races just to prove himself and I felt that's really little. And you must feel for him, it's your first year in F1. You still need to adapt and there's a lot to learn and just giving you 10 races is, is a bit harsh, but we've all known Red Bull, because if you don't know, so Alpha Tower is the little sister team, if we can say it that way, of Red Bull. So they usually what they do is like they get the new young drivers at Alpha Tower. They'll do like a few season, and then if they're good enough, they'll move them to Red Bull. That's what they did with Daniel, with Alex Albon. It's kind of a Red Bull system. So they got rid of Nick De Vries and they put Daniel back. And I do think I know they've like denied it. I think they've done that because Perez has been struggling so much in the past few races. The idea is like, let's get Daniel back on the grid at AlphaTauri. Let's see how he performs. If he performs throughout the rest of the season and Perez doesn't, I think they're going to bring Daniel back to Red Bull. That's my personal opinion. I think that's why it is. I think it's a test to see can they put Daniel back in that Red Bull seat with Max. Obviously, it's also going to depend how Perez is going to finish the season. And we'll see, like, this weekend, he's been back at it. He's finally had a good weekend, so... But I think it's the first move Helmut Marko and Red Bull have made in that direction. It's, like, back back to where it started, kind of, for him. And I think it opens up also this weird time we have in an F1 season, always around the summer. It's That's where we're starting to have drivers moving around and rumors about who's going to go where and I think there's a few bits and bobs that's probably going to move this season I don't think the grid is going to stay how it is obviously the biggest one is Lewis Hamilton's contract I don't see Lewis going anywhere to be fair I think he's going to stay with Mercedes it's quite obvious it's just taking a bit long for them to to agree we head back to Budapest for this race weekend One little thing, again, because you know F1 likes to always innovate and try new things and change the weekend format and all these kind of stuff. So this weekend, they were trialing a new format for qualifying. The qualifying format in terms of like Q1, Q2, Q3, that's the same. It's the same concepts that hasn't changed. But what they've changed is... The tire allocations. So in Q1, everybody had to use hard tires 
in Q2 it's medium and in Q3 it's soft. You'll no longer have strategy of people trying to get through Q2 just using medium tires. So the teams had to use every single compound in the qualifying session. And the goal behind that is a bit environmental friendly. So the main aim is to reduce the amount of tires that's allocated for each driver per weekend from 10 to 8, I believe. But the thing is, I don't think it has changed much in terms of like for viewers. And I think for teams also, it meant they haven't really run on Friday. So it felt like Friday was quite useless, to be fair which exaggerates the problem that they were trying to resolve with the sprint. Because with the sprint, they were trying to make Friday also interesting for people. But now with this format of qualifying and this tire management, they're making Friday useless even for the team because the teams don't have enough tire to run and collect data. So it's a bit contradicting, but you know them. They don't know what they're looking for. And I think they're trialing it again in Monza, if I'm correct. I might be wrong. I'm not sure, but I think it's Monza again. To be fair, I thought it was a bit useless. It did maybe mix up a little bit the grid. We had the Alpha Tauri starting in front of the Ferrari. I don't think it makes much of a difference. And I think if you didn't pay attention, you probably didn't even realize. That's the thing with F1 lately. They're like chasing something. They're always chasing more entertainment. They're always chasing something new and like exciting and how to attract new viewers and make it more fun and make it more exciting. And I feel it's losing a bit itself in the middle of all of this. I don't think like trialing stuff mid-season randomly like that is going to benefit it because a lot of people are going to get confused. I already know a few of my friends, they still don't really understand the sprint weekend. So they're not going to understand that that tire quality rules makes it really messy. And I feel like it's losing a bit its identity. And that's where it's kind of scary because it should kind of stick to what it is. But that was the two main things to know before we head into what happened during the race. So quality structure a bit different. And to the big surprise, Lewis Hamilton got the pole position. I screamed when I saw it on TV. I was like, I'm shocked. Oh my God. I think it's the least I expected. It kind of came out of nowhere, especially Russell got kicked out of qualifying. He started 18. So it just didn't feel like they had the pace. And then Lewis all of a sudden came out and and got Paul in front of Max. Felt like we're back in 2021, Max against Lewis. But obviously Max was like right after him. He started in second in front of the two McLarens. And I think everybody knew Lewis doesn't really have a chance. It was good to see someone else starting on Paul and Max. And if you've watched the race, you'll know the suspense lasted one turn. (laughs) Really, just one turn. Max took the lead at the first turn. Oh my god. Um, Max took the lead at the first turn and Lewis got passed by the two McLarens, which I thought, what a brilliant start from Oscar Piastri and Lando. And we'll talk about it. McLaren had such a good pace for the whole race. I thought Mercedes might be able to challenge them, but Lewis was nowhere near them. There was different in strategies and people on hot tires, people on, on medium, but it was overall really like a quite solid race from McLaren. And obviously a solid race from Red Bull. And let's talk about it. That's the first thing I want to touch on is... So Max Verstappen won in front of Lando Norris and Sergio Perez on the other Red Bull. And this is the 12th victory in a row for Red Bull. So Red Bull has broken a record that was held by McLaren since 88. McLaren had 11 victories in a row. Red Bull got 12 victories in a row since Abu Zabi 
last year. So 11 in this season, 12 if we count Abuzobi last year. And if you think about it, that's crazy. Like that's It's a record that's dated from the days of Prost and Senna. And for Red Bull to break in, and it doesn't feel like anybody's going to stop them. I can't see anyone else win unless Max has a DNF or an accident. It doesn't seem on pure pace anybody is able to win. Today he finished more than half a minute in front of Lando Norris. I think 36 seconds ahead. That's the biggest gap so far this year. And it tells you like how far ahead they are. If it keeps like this, Max can win the championship in Singapore. In September, the championship might be settled. That's crazy. It's the season where we have the most races. The championship might be already like done and dusted by September. Huge congrats to Red Bull. I think that's crazy to do. And obviously, there's much more races now, so it's easier for them to win. But you can say it's also more chances for others as well. So in reality, it doesn't really take away the achievement that Red Bull's done. If we look back at the rest of the field, so Hamilton finished fourth in the end. I think he struggled with pace with the McLarens throughout the race and with chasing as well Paris in the end, but it wasn't enough. He finished fourth. Piastri on the other McLaren finished fifth. Russell finished sixth. Then we find the two Ferraris, Leclerc seven, Carlos eight, and then the two Aston Martin. And let's come back to Ferrari, my favorite topic. Ferrari, again, they're just, I feel a bit like Ferrari and Aston Martin now. They're a bit nowhere. They're really struggling for pace. It's been two races now and it's just not working for them. And, and Charles had a really shit pit stop. He lost seven seconds, I think, in his pit stop. That ruined his race. And then he got a penalty for speeding in the pit lane. So for people who don't know, in the pit lane, there is a speed limit. It's 80 kilometers per hour. And if you go above this speed limit, you get a five second penalty. So... Leclerc got a five-second penalty for speeding in the pit lane on top of all the time he lost in his pit stop. So that brought him to finish seven behind Russell. So he did finish, like if you watch it on TV, he did finish six because of the penalty he dropped back. Carlos finished eight. I mean, I don't think it's such a bad race from Carlos because he started 11 on the grid. I think it's quite a shame for Charles, but overall, it doesn't seem to be working. We've heard a few exchange with the engineers on the pit wall it when you hear like leclerc questioning his engineers what leclerc is questioning is obvious and you feel like you're ferrari you've won so many championships you're the used to be at least the elite in the sports why are you functioning like a back marker because <laughs> literally that's what it sounds like sometimes there's a few instances in the race where you know science was behind leclerc but science was a bit faster and vice versa. But they never swap. Why do you not swap and see what the other driver can do? Because especially when they're on different strategies. Today, Sainz and Leclerc were on two different strategies. But it just doesn't feel to be working. I think we had a bit of hope after Austria. And now we're back to where we were when the season started. At the back. <sighs> Honestly. And the same for Aston Martin. Like They're a bit in the same kind of areas for Ferrari. Like we saw at some point they're going to be the one challenging Red Bull. And now it's clear that it's going to be McLaren. Even Mercedes feels a bit struggling in terms of pace. I think McLaren got really good evolutions to their car. And it, it's been, you know, do three different circuits now. They're quite different. Silverstone is quite different to the Hungaro ring. Spa in, in a week's time is also quite different. Is now ahead of the rest of the field 
I'm right behind Red Bull. And it's not just, you know, track specific. Next race is next week in Belgium. So it's the famous Spa Grand Prix. Right before we head into the summer break. It's a bit weird to have Spa, I think, ahead of the summer break for some reason. But heading into the famous rumours season. Like, who's going to take his seat? Who's going to go to which team? And all of that drama unfolding while we wait to come back in end of august i think we go back to zandorf in the netherlands so it's gonna be a few interesting weeks ahead of us and yeah really that's a wrap for what happened this weekend in budapest thank you for listening to me thanks for joining me on this podcast and i shall see you very soon next week for spa bye